do is I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop, right? The missing link. So this morning, what we're going to talk about is kind of the essentials that are most important within the Christian faith. Really the cornerstone stuff. And we're also going to take a look at like denominations and the type of different churches. So there's all kinds of different churches, right? There's Presbyterians, there's uh, Episcopal churches, there's Lutheran churches, there's Catholicism, there's all these different things. And so we're also going to look at like, is that biblical? Is it right? Is it wrong? Would God let that happen? Was it even an idea of His? We're going to take a look at a guy who was really very uh, persuasive and influential in the early Christian faith. And we're going to see like what kind of guy he was. And you would think that uh, a guy like that would do more harm than good, but we're going to find out that actually people kind of misread him a little bit. And it kind of caused some division. It kind of made things more complicated than what it had to be. So we're going to look at all kinds of stuff. But it all centers around kind of this missing link. Because this guy that we're going to look at, we're going to spend a good chunk on this guy we'll be talking about today. He was like really energetic, enthusiastic. He was a pretty smart guy. He was like trained and learned with like the scriptures and around the right people. He came from a pretty smart area. He had smart friends. You know, he was just one of those guys. And he's one of those guys that had like brains. And he also had a heart too. And so he was the guy that was smart and he was also doing man whatever it took just to get out there and he would just sit down and be one-on-one with people. That doesn't always happen. So he had that rare combination. Um, But he was missing one critical element. And once he kind of got that under his belt, he really took off. So we're going to take a look at some of that stuff today. And so that's where we have the missing link. Because when he got that link in there, it really transformed everything. So we're in Acts chapter 18. And we're going to pick up in verse 19. So... As far as a quick backdrop, right? We're studying through the book of Acts. And basically the book of Acts has really been the birth of the church, how it all started. How we just get this thing like, why do we start, like come together as like a group and like do worship songs and read from the Bible. Well, it all started from Acts. And then once that started, basically God was using all these people just to go all these different places and start all these other churches, all these other places. And so basically it's just like a book about how all these churches, how all these things got started. And some critical players in that are Paul, Barnabas, Silas, remember Priscilla and Aquila we talked about last time. So God just involves all these people. And then there's all these stories around these people. And so we pick up in verse 19 where they're heading to a new town. Right Before, when I was here last time, we talked about how they were in Corinth. And I think hopefully remember a little bit about that. When I got to Corinth, remember it was a really busy city. It was wealthy. They had a lot of vices. I remember I had pictures up here. I was trying to like, you know, make it sort of modern day. So we had Vegas up here. We had Amsterdam up here. Right? And we were talking about some of the struggles they might encounter. Uh, and then we were talking about how God really provided in the middle of Paul being there. And he brought this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, and helped out. And so we talked about all that stuff a couple weeks ago. And if you missed it, of course, it's online like everything else. Uh, but they're coming to a new town now. And so I think that it might be a couple slides away. There's a map. And I'd just like to show you... Uh, there you go. And i like to show you the maps just because, so you can get an idea. Because these guys, they did a lot of traveling. Like all by foot. 
like we said before, they didn't have the SUV, they didn't have like the tour bus, you know, where it was like Paul, Barnabas and Silas tour bus with a big sign on it, them coming into town, like they didn't have that stuff, you know, they would just walk around everywhere or sail everywhere. And the travel, 100, 150 miles a day, was pretty normal for them. So, last time, let's see if we can find it here, right there at Corinth, there at Corinth, which was right over here. Right there, right over here. And if you remember, I'll try and just give you a quick backdrop. If you remember, they started like really over here. Jerusalem's down here and they had like home base over there. And so they did all of this. They ended up over here. And so now, where they're going, we're picking up today, they're going to end up right over here in this place called Ephesus. That's where they're going to be. And you could see, I mean, that is a, that's a good chunk of distance, right? And we even got a key for you. That's 200 miles, right? So here we are in math class. So that's 200 miles, right? And so if we do right there, I mean, you can see about how far away that's going to be, right? That's a trip. So that's what that. So they cover that one verse, and so they just say, "Well, we sailed to Ephesus." That's a big deal in my mind. Like you just went, you know, four or five hundred miles in a boat, and just, you know, you're sure that wasn't fun, but that's where they are. So they're in Ephesus. Now, if you remember, okay. When they kind of started this whole journey and adventure, they kind of do like this loop like three times. But when they started it, remember they were over here and they started going through, right? And what happened was they actually wanted to come here first in the beginning. And God, for whatever reason, he's like, no, 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 I don't want you to go there. And they're like, uh, okay. And so basically, they kind of went, you know, come over here. And then they kind of took off in this general direction. And then they kind of sailed over here into that area. So for whatever reason, like God kept them away from there. Not real sure why, but he did. But now, as they come from here to there, God lets them in there. He doesn't say, hey, you can't go. But Paul kept trying. You know, he kept trying. So even though God kept them away, he's like, oh, I still think we should go there. And so he went. And so finally, they end up there. And knowing Paul, and the type of guy that he is, he wants to hit up the big cities. He was in Corinth. He's going to Ephesus. Corinth was the uh, third, fourth largest city. Ephesus is right a notch above that. It is huge. It's a huge trade port, a uh, huge commercial center, and they actually have a huge temple there as well. And I think that's on maybe the next slide there. Do we have the temple up there? It was actually one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. That right there. 425 feet long, 230 feet wide, over 100 columns. The thing was huge. So it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So you can go home. You could Google it. You could look up Temple of Diana, Temple of Artemis, which we'll get to in a minute. And that was there. It was just a big place. And so it drew people for all the busy economic stuff. And then it also drew people for this temple because inside the temple, they were, quote, unquote, worshiping God with the temple prostitutes. And then they would bring in money to kind of fund the temple. And so right away, you can tell already, they are just, they're out there. They're, their message on God is warped completely. So that's what Paul is coming into, Ephesus. So we kind of understand, because it always helps when you read, you always want to try and put yourself in like the same context as far as what they're in and what's going on, what they're about to encounter, and then see how they handle it, because it just makes it that much more real to you. If you just kind of read through it really quick and just skim it, it's hard to do that and put yourself there. 
And on Sunday morning, we got the privilege, you know, to use pictures and do stuff. And so that's what we try and do. So here we go. It says, verse 19. They arrived at Ephesus, right? And we just talked about a little bit what Ephesus was like. Where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila, right? That was the married couple that was kind of helping them out, doing work with them. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined, but as he left, uh, he promised, I will come back if it, if it is God's will. So he's there, he's hanging out with them, and then uh, basically he has to leave. And we're not quite sure how long he stayed, but he was there for a little while. It says, when he landed in Caesarea, right this other place, he went up and greeted the church and went down to Antioch. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul set out from there and traveled from place to place throughout the region of Galatia, Phrygia, right? All these places. So basically, he's going back and revisiting all the spots he was at before because he cares about what's going on with them and how they're doing. So verse 24 says, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos was a native of Alexandria. He came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more accurately. When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. On arriving, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. Right? And so I think you can tell who that person is we were talking about in the beginning, right? Hopefully he caught his name in there. Right? Starts with an A, ends with an Olos. Okay? So, Apollos is the guy who eventually we're going to get to and we're going to talk about. So, Paul shows up there at Ephesus. And we got a couple other pictures just to kind of put us in the same place where Paul was. So, we saw the temple. And then after that, I think we have even what it looks like today. That's what it looks like today. That's what's like leftover. So, if you go into Turkey, which is basically like where this is. If you go into Turkey, that's kind of what it looks like. And on the next one big theater that they had, right? There was just a big like coliseum and theater and stuff that they had. And you could even probably picture, you know, St. Paul down there arguing with people and doing all kinds of stuff and talking to a whole bunch of people. And on the next slide, what they had, this was their big thing that was in the temple. So remember I said they had that big temple? And inside they had these, unfortunately, uh, these prostitutes inside there. And so what they did is they worshipped this image right here. So what was the deal with this image? Right? The, the temple is called the Temple of Diana or Temple of Artemis. They just use those names interchangeably. And so they worship this thing right here. This was it. This is the whole big thing. And so the belief is that a meteorite kind of came down and hit that area for whatever reason. And what they did is they made this idol out of it. And you can see like kind of how crazy and how funky it looks. But that was the center. That was the source for all his worship for a long time. And that's what people came to see. And so, you know, just kind of a weird thing, but that was it right there. And so that's what he's coming into. That's what Paul's going to come and encounter with. And so, you know, how do you bring Jesus Christ into this area? And 
people that are just like out in left field somewhere. But that's what he's doing. So he comes there and he's with Priscilla and Aquila and then he kind of leaves. He'll end up coming back later. He really liked this town of Ephesus. He stayed there like for three years at one point. He just really, I don't know, enjoyed it. God really used him strongly, which is pretty interesting because if you remember before, God didn't want him to go. But for whatever reason, right, it was God's timing. He brought him there later and then he ended up staying for a few years and just talked to all kinds of people and really helped everybody grow there. And then the book of Ephesians, that's in your Bible, that's what he wrote to them. And so if you wanted some homework for this week coming up, it would probably definitely be worthwhile to read the book of Ephesians. It's not long. Six chapters, and they're not real long chapters, so you could knock it off actually pretty quickly. But you could see exactly what he told these people and what was going on. So, let's take a look at this Apollos guy, because we don't hear a ton as far as like what Paul said, what Priscilla did, what Aquila did in this city of Ephesus. So we're going to take a look at this Apollos guy because they end up talking about him quite a bit. So, who is this guy? We talked about before, he's got the rare combination of brains and heart. He's willing to get in the trenches and do the hard work, but he's also really smart. Said that he came from Alexandria. And Alexandria, if we could go back to that map, maybe we can, I don't know, hopefully we can. Alexandria, I can't really tell. It's actually down here in Egypt. And that's where this guy's coming from. So he's coming from like, you know, he went to like Choke Rosemary. Like he is like upscale Yale Harvard guy. Like he is, he comes in knowing some things. I mean, they said that when they found that city, some excavations of that city, they found over 700,000 volumes in their libraries. Huge. So this guy was learned. Like he knew some stuff. And there was also some Jewish people that were down there. And he himself was Jewish. And so he was trained in the way of a little bit of that. And so, Apollos shows up to Ephesus. Now think about that for a second, right? We just pointed to that map. He was way down there, and he went way up over there. I mean, he really, that's, that's longer than Paul. I mean, that's a trip. He went close to a thousand miles or to show up over there. And I wonder like how he knew to go over there, but whatever, God brought him there. Pretty amazing. We're seeing that pattern through the book of Acts. God is bringing all these people from all these different places for his one purpose, you know, to build the church and to use the people that are there. It's pretty amazing stuff. So anyways, he shows up in Ephesus. They didn't meet up with them. And what is this guy like? What is he doing? Well, it says there in verse right, 24, he came to Ephesus. He was a learned man, thorough knowledge of the scriptures, and he had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And he spoke with great fervor, and sometimes the translation is like, he was like boiling. So you figure boiling water is like bubbling. He was just like bubbling. He was just like, he just had to get it out there. He, he was excited. He was enthusiastic. He wanted to get it out there because he believed it so much. And it was just a part of him. And that's what this guy was like. And he was smart. So he had the whole combination of both things working for him. This is what this guy was like. I picture him as like a magnetic guy. Right? So you think of a guy maybe that you know or a person that you know in your life who's pretty magnetic personality, you know, that you like, that can just, people like him, they just, they want to listen to him, they tend to be around that type of person. You know, he's like that. He's like that type of person. And what happens is, he's there, he's speaking boldly, he's boiling, telling everybody about, really, the scriptures, and then there's a married couple in the back, and they're listening, 
And I'm like, wow, you know, this guy, he's pretty good. And man, he's excited. Seems like he really loves God. And they're listening. They're like, uh... There's a few things he's missing there. right? So missing link is kind of where it comes in. He's got this missing link in his message. And it's not really complete yet. But he's still being effective, but he's not quite there yet. And so the married couple, right, being Priscilla and Aquila, they kind of take him inside and say, listen, why don't you, you know, kind of come to our house. We've been hanging out with Paul. God's been using us. And I think you might want to hear what we have to say. And Apollos, interesting guy, must show his humbleness. He's like, his humility. Okay, I'll go with you. He goes to their house. They kind of explain to him the full message, which we'll get to in a minute. The full message about Jesus Christ. Because he didn't know anything about the resurrection. He didn't know how Jesus Christ came and lived. He didn't know that this thing called the Holy Spirit was coming. He didn't know about any of that stuff. All he really knew was like, if we had our Bibles, all he really knew was really like the first five books. Genesis, Leviticus, Exodus, Deuteronomy. Now, come on. If you've spent any time at all in your Bible and you've read any of that, how excited are you really going to be about that? There's stuff in there, all these laws, uh, how to live, how to arrange your house. Like, There's not that much excitement really in there. That's why most people don't read through the whole Bible because it's just not that really exciting. But this guy, he was excited about that. And so now when he's going to hear about the rest of God's plan, he's going to be unstoppable. Because that's, this is the exciting part now. There's actually the Messiah actually did come. He did die. He did rise. And then this other part of God, the Holy Spirit comes and lives among us. That's like some exciting news. And so that's what Priscilla and Aquila come alongside and they try and help him out. So, on the slide, I think there's a bunch of letters. The slide with a bunch of letters. Hopefully we, they're just like random, right in the middle of the screen. There we go. Bunch of letters. Can you tell what that stands for? Do we have any guesses? Nothing complicated. So what does that have to do with me? Right? So what does that have to do with me? So it's great that they started a church in Ephesus, right? That's great. A couple thousand years ago, a bunch of people came from far away. They went to a big you know, city that was busy, wealthy, lots of vices. Uh, God used them. Seemed like a good thing. Great. Happy to hear it. Way to go, God. Awesome. It's June 26, 2011. I'm trying to figure out how I can get closer to God today. I want to know, I've had a bad week. I have a struggle in a lot of other different areas. So how could this possibly help me at all. So what does this really have to do with me? Is it just a history lesson? Like, what is this? Well, I don't know. We should find out and see how God can work through this and speak to us. So, on the next slide here, here's what I think it has to do with us. So I got application at the top. And you can feel free to write these down. And I'll read it too because it's kind of hard to, to read with uh, the dark in there. It says, some blank of Apollos that made his ministry blank, right? So we got to fill in those blanks. 
So first thing, some elements of Apollos that made his ministry successful. Here's what I want to hover around a little bit, right? So what does this have to do with me? Well, we just read a good chunk of a guy that God really used. And he used him really effectively. And so I think there's some stuff in there that we could absolutely like glean off of and say, oh, okay, like what kind of person or what kind of characteristics does God use, you know, kind of in that circumstance? Like what are some things that I could maybe grasp away from that? I'm sure Apollos has some stuff that at least I could work on or try to develop more. And then we can also combine the missing link because we got the missing link, right? Now we have the New Testament. We got the whole story. So we can try and combine it in our own lives. So that's what we're going to try and go with it. So what are some of these elements? Well, let's take a look. On the next slide here, we got a couple of them. Uh, before that. There we go. First part is, he knew the Scriptures. He was really effective because he knew the Scriptures. He knew what was in there. And he didn't even really have the whole story. Remember, he just had part of it. He just had like a lot of laws. And he had like the history. He had Genesis. He had the history of Abraham and Moses and Exodus and how God delivered them. And that's all really the only stuff that he had. He didn't have this other stuff about like the cross and resurrection. He didn't have any of that. But what he did have, he really knew. And that helped him. And that made him able to really engage with people and talk with them. And so that just helps us to be like, all right, I've got to know this book pretty well for myself. But God is also going to want to work through me with other people. So being able to be learned and know the scriptures is certainly going to help me. Not just to share with other people, but also in my own life. So when God comes after me and he's trying to just beat me down with discouragement, or he's trying to beat me down with fears in my life and trying to replay things in my past that I know I not proud of and I made mistakes of what am I going to come back with hopefully I have some bullets in my gun because if I don't man I'm just going to get kicked around and beat around and so being able to know the scriptures and what's actually written and be able to speak those back and God says that he right, inhabits that and the spirit works through that and there's actually power behind it believe it or not it's crazy but there is and being able to know that have that in our hearts will really set us free and it says even in Psalms, like, you know, when, how does a young man keep his way pure? How does an old man or how does anybody keep their way pure? Just by hiding the scriptures in their hearts. So by knowing that and hiding it in there, we will actually be more of a pure sacrifice to God because we'll understand what he wants and what he desires. Apollos, he also had an ability to instruct others. And now this isn't really for everyone. We all don't have to like, instruct all kinds of people and teach them all kinds of things because that's not really everybody's calling. But I think we should at least have a little bit of an ability to kind of share what we know in a way that somebody else would understand it. Right? It could only help benefit our friends, our family members. And, um, you know, we should have that. It's absolutely important because if we can't really put into words what we actually believe and what God has really done for us, it's not really quite a part of us quite yet. It's just sort of some vague thing that's out there. So many times, like in math class, I'll be talking with kids and we'll be going around and talking about definitions of things or, uh, you know, I'd show them a picture and we'll go over something. So I, I'll ask them, you know, one learning technique is if uh, you, you can get them to actually repeat it in their own words. Then I know they got it. 
But if I ask them and I say, you know, what is such and such? And they say, well, I know it, but I just can't say it. So, well, you think that you know it. That kind of concerns me. But let's get you to the point where you can actually say it back. Right? Because when you can actually internalize that and put it in your own words, that really means that you got it. And so Apollos was able to do that. Another thing that he had was he was just enthusiastic and he was excited about God. Now, I don't want you to think that what I'm saying is we just have to just get excited, work ourselves up, and just like always try and keep up this excitement level. Because you, you, just, you just can't really do that. Unless you truly, genuinely are, you can't manufacture that. And plus, people, people can tell if you're making stuff up. I mean, people can tell. They can see right through that. And so, I think the part that we want to be concerned about is that when we really see what God has done for us, how He's really touched our life, what that sacrifice really cost Him, and how much He really, truly loves us, that will get us excited, that will get us enthusiastic. And it's not manufactured, it's because God has actually showed us that, how valuable we actually are to Him. Then the excitement and the enthusiasm is just there. And you want to tell people, man, I matter this much to God. He has done this in my life. He has provided in this way. It's not manufactured then. Because then it's actually a part of you. And so my encouragement to you, and even as it is for me, I say, because some days I'm just like struggling. And so I'm asking, I'm saying, God, I don't want to make this thing up. I need you. I need you, God, to actually work through me and bring out that enthusiasm and that excitement once again because I'm just having a rough time right now. And God will do that. God will absolutely do that. It's not for us to try and manufacture it and make it up. And one other part about Apollos, one of his characteristics, I think it says a lot about this guy who is really smart, Yale, Harvard, Cho Rosemary, smart guy, with a blazer, you know, all nice, tidy, and neat, perfectly ironed shirt, nice khakis. Like, that's the way I picture this guy. Clean cut, you know, real sharp, probably using some nice words, pretty eloquent, probably a little bit intimidating. And I picture Priscilla and Aquila, who are a couple of tent makers, you know, a couple of painters, carpenters, like trades guys, HVAC people, sitting there and, hey, you know, you're, this is really good, but I think there's some things that God might want to show you through us. And it says a lot, the apostles like, yeah, let's go. That humility was awesome. I thought that was really cool. It says a lot about this type of guy. And to have our humility in Christ would just be huge, where we can learn from anybody at any time, anywhere. Anybody, anytime, anywhere. Through our spouses, our family members, even through people who aren't even Christians. God will be working through and speaking through them. And sometimes it stings the most when it's coming from those people. But are we humble enough to really listen and pay attention to it? Those ones can definitely sting from other people. Especially people that you might not be a big fan of. And they just said something. And man, that one barb in there. and That one hurts. And you just want to come back and like, look at you. But they were true with what they just said. You know, so... The humility aspect is huge. So I think, what does it have to do with us today? Well, shoot, if I could know the scriptures pretty good like Apollos, if I had an ability to really share, if my enthusiasm was truly coming from God 
and I possess half of his humility, I think that already has me on a good track with God. And one other thing that we're going to talk about and close with, one thing that I think really sticks out, and I think we kind of miss it, it's so obvious. The second thing that he possesses was at the end of the day, he shared what he, that's what that is up there, he shared what he knew. That's what goes in the blank. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't have it all up front right away. He just had part of the story. And that's so much like us. Some people just literally committed their lives to Christ. Some people are, are still fairly new. Some people are kind of right in the middle. And they are just battling things from all sides and just trying to figure out what in the world am I doing and what is going on right now. Some people have been around for quite a long time. And it doesn't matter where you are. You just share what you know. God would just make up the rest. And so that can leave us obviously feeling inadequate and just overmatched and mismatched sometimes. But when God is involved, He will tie up the loose ends. And yeah, we might not have all the answers for sure. Nobody does. And we might not have all the answers and all the right responses, but the key is, are we just willing if God were to ask us to share some of that stuff? You know, just sharing what you know. Now hopefully, hopefully what you know hasn't been the same for the past like 10 years. It's not exactly a good thing. Right? This should be kind of on a scale a little bit. A little bit escalating. But again, being able to share what you know because it doesn't matter what place you're in. God is going to use us. That's the amazing thing. And as far as knowledge goes, right, it's not like we talked about before, just an intellectual pursuit. Hopefully it's driven by love. And that's why I put this phrase up here. I don't know if you can read it. It says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right? So to share what you know and just go out and blab it and give what's called unwanted advice, it's not really going to go a long way. You have to have like some sensitivity to what's going on. And so, but if people have a sense, or if they know that you actually really care about them, you've actually hung out with them, you ask questions about their life, uh, you're actually engaged with what's going on with them, you could tell them about you know, the recent things they just talked with you about. Now you're on the right track, right? Because people, they're not going to care. They've got enough people yelling at them all day long. Come from the internet, from the TV, from their jobs, from their bosses. I mean, everybody's telling them everything. But when somebody really cares about you, now we're interested. Right? Now we're interested. One other thing to help with sharing what we know, not just that you care and love somebody else, but if you could share what you know, and you also have, like a personal story to go with that. So if you say, man, God just somebody sharing with you at work or somewhere and they're just struggling because they really don't know where their provision as far as a job is going to come from. And if you say, no, I, God will provide and it just says in His Word that He just loves us and He's never going to leave us nor forsake us. And if we seek first His kingdom, you know, He's going to give us everything we need. And if you say that, it might be helpful, encouraging to them, it might not be. It might actually make them feel bad. I don't really know. But if you had a personal story to go along with that, where you say, yeah, you know, you know, God's word does say that, you know, you seek first his kingdom, his righteousness. But then if you also say, listen, I remember the time when, and then you got your own story to fill in right there, 
all of a sudden, it gives a lot more weight to what you're talking about. Now, it's really hard and difficult to bring up personal stories if you're not really keeping track of how God is really providing for you in your life. A very common thing that they would do in the Old Testament is they just take these rocks, they would take these rocks, and they just set them places, either on their, uh, as boundary lines or different places, and they keep them as like memorials of what God has done in their lives. And you got this rock, you got this rock, you got this rock, and you could even write on the top of it or whatever you want to do with it and be like, man, I remember God provided in this area. And I remember He provided in this area. And then you have this stuff built up of what God has actually done. Because if we just get in the mode of just cruising and just taking in what God has been dishing out and some tough times come, it's hard to refer back to what's going on. It's going to make it difficult. To actually have that in your back pocket for yourself and for others, it's going to go such a long way. So sharing what you know, absolutely important, but I think there's some key elements that would really help with that. Driven by love and try and get your own personal stories in there. So, what we're going to do is we're going to close with a song. Close with one more song. And uh, the song is nice. I mean, basically, the, the words are going, you know, God, just, I surrender. I just want to be in a place where I'm completely surrendered to you. And uh, it's a nice time just to kind of reflect back and think about surrendering because that's really the most important part of what's going on. Because God is going to bring us all these different places in life through all these different stages. And He's not really looking for, you know, did you give enough money? Uh, were you baptized the right way? Did you say the right prayer? Did you spend enough time? He's looking for, is your heart completely surrendered and open to me? At the end of the day, that's what really matters. That's what really matters. And so, what will lead us in this song and... Um, I encourage you just to take the time and and even if you're not at that place to say, Lord, I don't even know if I really totally surrender but I know that I should be help me to get there too because He wants the honest prayers too because not everybody's at the spot we're just like, yeah, Lord, just use me I surrender everything not everybody's there at that same spot so I don't want to fight against the wind I don't want to beat against the thumb All I want to do is let you love me I don't want to run from you again I don't want to struggle anymore All I want to do is let you love me And I surrender I surrender, I surrender all to you. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender all. It's only in your presence I found peace. Only in your words I find release. And all I want to do is let you love me. 
There's no other place I'd rather be Than in your arms eternally And all I want to do is let you love me And I surrender I surrender I surrender all to you I surrender I surrender I surrender all All my hopes and all my dreams All my plans and all my schemes All my faults and all my fears All my doubts and all my tears I give them all to you I give them all I give them all to you And I surrender I surrender I surrender all to you I surrender I surrender I surrender all And I don't want to fight against the wind I don't want to beat against the thorns All I want to do is let you love me And I don't want to run from you again I don't want to struggle anymore All I want to do is let you love me And all I want to do is let you love me Jesus, you love me. Amen. So, uh, if you want, uh, and I would take advantage of the moment, if you want some prayer, you know, after, please come up front. Love to pray with you. Um, Other than that, I mean, there's food and refreshments, of course, in the back. Also, sign-ups. For the summer Sunday fun day. So, try and say that five times fast. So, you can sign up for that in the back. Otherwise, have a great week. That is not a And is a
Are for me. 